1: To convincing the world that travel through film was not only possible, but necessary to survive. Welcome back to yet another episode of the Triple Threat Theater podcast. This is episode number 33, and my name is Ryan Miller.
0: And I'm Joe Daxberger.
1: Dax, I don't think I've heard you say it out loud yet, so would you like to take a stab at this episode's title? (laughs) Oh, would I ever.
0: Millsy, episode thirty three. Otherwise known as Bus Buds, Frethew Prillard. <laughs> Prillard.
1: Frethu Prillard. Frethew Prillard. How obvious is that to decipher, do you think, for the people, the listeners?
0: It <sighs> would probably like look easier than it sounds. Frethew? I mean I can't <laughs> um.
1: basic idea here being, you know, whenever there's like a Hollywood power couple. There's Hmm. always, like, you know, their names get combined. So you have, like, uh, Tom Cruise, Katie Holmes combined to form Tomcat. I mean, what bigger power couple was there in the late 90s, early 2000s than the bromance of Freddie Prince Jr. and Matthew Lillard? I don't know, Mills. Frethie Prillard. It makes makes all the sense in the world. Certainly. I came up with this trio. Yeah, you did. And um, I think... I just, uh, the only one of the movies that we're going to talk about that I'd seen before is Wing Commander. And I can't remember for the life of me if I was one of the 12 people who saw that movie in the theater or not. But I know I saw it like back when it came out. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've always known that Matthew Lillard and Freddie Prinze Jr. are in that movie together. And that, of course, they were also in Scooby-Doo together. Mm -hmm. And so I think at some point I was just like, okay, they, they must have been in something else together. Turns out there were a couple of other movies I could have chosen from. But I was going to uh, say there
0: had to have been more.
1: Yeah, there's some uh, like baseball movie that they're in also that we're not going to talk about. I want to say it might have been called Summer Catch.
0: <laughs> of course.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but um, the three movies that we're going to be talking about are the aforementioned Wing Commander, the first live-action Scooby-Doo film, and I think their first collaboration, She's All That. Mm hmm. Had you seen any of these before?
0: Uh zero. I oh. I was aware of all three of them. Beforehand I probably would have said I didn't I did not know if, uh that Matthew was in She's All That or Wing Commander. Mm-hmm. I don't think I was that well aware of that. <laughs> but I was pretty sure, like, oh yeah. I mean, without seeing she's all that, I knew the the whole background. I knew the synopsis. I knew the that poster. For whatever reason, I knew Wing Commander was just one of many video game movies, and that Freddie Prince was in it. Mm-hmm. And Scooby Doo, I guess, kind of like, without ever seeing, like, I don't think I ever saw anything from Scooby Doo, like. Besides the poster, I don't think I ever saw a trailer or anything, but I knew those two were in it.
1: Yeah, I was fully aware of Scooby-Doo, had not ever seen it before, but um, could have told you uh, three quarters of the cast, because I, I knew it was Freddie Prince Jr., I knew it was Matthew Lillard, I knew it was Sir Michelle Geller. Never, ever, ever knew who played Velma in the movie. Same here. Until now. And it's kind of interesting. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it but, wasn't until um, I got this movie from the library the other day that I actually looked, and I was like, "Oh, Linda Cardellini." Yeah, and I didn't like recognize her
1: or know who she was. Uh, I actually had to look her up, and then I was like, "Oh, she's Hawkeye's wife." Yeah, she's like so a, Velma is in the Avengers.
0: <laughs> she's like a vac gal actress almost. Yeah, but yeah, that's really kind of it. This was a very much a blank slate. She, somehow she's all that like went past me because, like, this came out in 99. I was a junior in high school. Like, this was high school kids. It's just one of many that came out around that time that I just never saw. But... Mm-hmm.
1: Always, in my mind, a a chick flick, not something that I ever went out of my way to see. Something that has been, like, parodied, and I feel like, I, I mean, I think it's directly parodied in Not Another Teen Movie, which I had seen. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the premise being what it is uh the whole idea of like you know the quote unquote ugly girl and all you have to do is let their hair down and take their glasses off and then right. they're, they're beautiful mm-hmm. i feel like that is a trope that is very out there and i couldn't have told you for sure that she's all that is the movie that it kind of came from
0: well i mean the whole like popular person turning the nerd ugly loser type into someone popular is not new it's definitely not attributed to this i'd i'd give that personally to can't buy me love from 1980 whatever mm. um haven't seen that but oh, um oh not for
1: long friend <laughs> start the list uh you got your notepad handy <laughs> yeah
0: uh, can't buy me love was a classic in the dax burger household i saw that many many times and that's basically like the pretty girl In high school. I'll give you the quick rundown. Pretty girl in high school. It's been a while since I've seen it. But I've seen it so many times. She. I think. She takes like. Her mom. Like one of her mom's like. Really nice outfits or something. And wears it. It's someone's outfit that she wears. And gets like. Goes to a party. And gets wine on it. And ruins it. And she brings it to like. The mall. To like the dry cleaner or something. To try to get it cleaned up or to buy to replace it and she can't afford it. And then like the you know, like local nerd kid who's, you know, has no friends in the same high school that might be her neighbor or something sees this happening and he's there to buy a telescope. Cause he's, you know, doesn't have any friends. I guess that's what they were going for in that one. <laughs> okay. So he like sees this. I think he goes in. And, like, gives her his telescope money so she can replace the outfit. But, like, one of his, his stipulation is that, like, she has to make him popular. And then calamity ensues. Hmm. So. Well, I mean, it does sound similar. It's similar. And it's not the, the same th- thing, but similar.
1: Yeah, the thing in my mind is, like, taking the unattractive allegedly, like, the person who you can tell is an attractive person just with, like, a messy hairstyle, Mm-hmm. And then superficially changing like two things about their look, right. and all of a sudden we're supposed to believe like Superman taking his or Clark Kent taking Whoa. his glasses off, like, oh my god, it's a different person. Yeah, that's the worst part. <laughs> Which I feel like this movie is uh kind of infamous for like mm-hmm. that that concept, but Yeah. Anyway, we'll get into that more in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um so just Freddie Prince Jr., Matthew Lillard, I mean these guys were kind of like flash in the pan, that like late nineties to early two thousands era was like their prime time. And I feel like, you know, between these three movies, if you hadn't seen any of them, like did you have much exposure to either of these guys, either together or separately?
0: Um, I don't think together, certainly, like on the radar, just from like my age at the time they were popular, but I mean I know like Freddie Prinz from I Know What You Did Last Summer, uh, Matthew Lillard from Scream, which kind of came out, maybe what was those, 95, 96, a few years before these, I think?
1: Uh, might have been a little later than that, but I don't know the exact years. Yeah. But
0: So yeah, I definitely knew them from there, I think like like we've talked about, and, yeah, I'm trying to think, I think those would be like the two big things I knew them from.
1: Yeah, I was never really. I, you know, seen, I know what you did last summer, and I still know what you did last summer. And I had seen um, Wing Commander, as I said, but that's really where my connection to Freddie Prince Jr. ends. Cause I feel like he did a lot more of the uh, like romantic comedy kind of stuff that, especially back in that time period when I was like in high school, mm-hmm. I would not have been interested in. Whereas Matthew Lillard, it just feels like he was all over the place. Just uh, like he had a, a type of character that he always tended to play. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, he, in addition to Scream, he was in like Thirteen Ghosts, which was out at the time, and I remember seeing, and Hackers, which oh, you know yeah. had that romantic element to it, but also kind of like a thriller action. Well, not action, but like adventure kind of movie, mm-hmm. <laughs> sort of. So. I feel like I have seen a lot of Matthew Lillard movies and while he is kind of one note and obnoxious in a lot of that stuff, uh, he's definitely memorable. And I feel like I liked him from that time period, but it's one of those things where like that kind of character that he was playing, like you're going to lose that as you lose your youth. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. I know he's one of those guys who largely disappeared off the face of the earth, but then I remember, uh that George Clooney movie the descendant or descendants mm. came out and like uh, was like getting all the awards buzz a couple of years ago and uh, Matthew Lillard had like a small part in that and i remember when i watched that movie which i didn't necessarily have any interest in but when i heard all the buzz i decided to check it out and i'm like holy shit Matthew Lillard's in this and he's suddenly an adult mm. like i haven't seen him since he was like 20 something <laughs> you well,
0: know also mills i mean you and i can personally attest to that Matthew Lillard is probably just as hot in the streets now as he ever has been. I don't know about
1: that, but I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh you and I do have the distinction of being able to say that within the last year we were in the same room as him.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I would think any any when I say he's still as hot, I can't see any like convention he would have been at in like 2001 could have had a longer line than the one we saw waiting for him <laughs> over the course of that horror con weekend.
1: Yeah, I think it's a fact of the matter that he like he's in so many like memorable movies from that time period. And now all the people who would have been watching them when they were younger are Mm. like, you know, 15 years older or whatever, 20 years older like us and have nostalgia for him and memories of him. So even though he hasn't like been taking the world by storm in the last two decades or so. You know, like I say, I I find him to be like a very memorable, recognizable kind of character in all of these movies. Just because of the kind of person he was
0: typecast at and very good at playing. What would you say is like Freddie Prinze's biggest role? If you had to guess like offhand.
1: Probably now that I've read a little bit about it and uh, and looked into it a little bit for the show, I'd say probably she's all that. (laughs) Mm hmm. Outside of that, again, I don't have a real good handle on a lot of his movies because most of the stuff he was doing at the time was like, you know, romantic comedy kind of stuff that I didn't watch. Yeah, there, but There
0: really wasn't much. I'm looking at it now. There really wasn't that much. But I'm thinking
1: probably She's All That followed by I Know What You Did Last Summer just because as a genre film, even though it's not necessarily looked back upon as like the cream of the crop, mm-hmm. I think that movie plays second fiddle to Scream yeah but uh, I think that, as a genre movie, you know there are the genre fans who hold oh, that yeah. stuff near and dear, so he's one of the leads of one of those movies from that time yeah. period.
0: Scream came out december twel ninety six and then I know you did last summer came out the following october, so mm-hmm. they were there it was definitely the the right time for that stuff,
1: but you know what's funny like this episode is all about movies that both star. Freddie Prince Jr. and Matthew Lillard, and I, I, you know, I don't know if I knew that Freddie Prince and uh, Sir Michelle Geller were married and had kids.
0: Oh yeah, I was I was aware of that for
1: whatever reason. I don't think I ever knew that. Um, not that I've ever <laughs> spent a whole lot of time thinking about either of them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But um, you know, also just through watching these and reading a little bit about them, could do an episode of movies with the two of them. Oh, I mean, you've got scooby-doo one and two obviously uh i know there was at least one other one that i was reading about but i've already forgotten what it was oh, uh and, and i know what you did last summer i know what you did last summer and then she does make a tiny uncredited cameo in she's all that as well oh does she oh yeah in the uh did you see her
0: yeah i missed that
1: do you remember the scene in the cafeteria where? Uh, Laney's little brother is, like, being picked on by those two guys, and Freddie Prince Jr. makes them eat the pizza with the pubes on it. Yes. <laughs> when, I don't know what the brother is doing, but he's, like, roller skating around the cafeteria, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, taking people's food trays away or something, and he rolls up to this one girl, and she doesn't say anything, but she, like, hands him her plate, and he rolls away, and that's Sarah Michelle Geller. She doesn't say anything.
0: Oh, that's funny. No, I missed that. <laughs> and if you really
1: want to stretch... Uh, I didn't catch this, but I did read in the trivia page on IMDb that uh, in uh, Freddie Prince Jr.'s like cabin on the spaceship in Wing Commander, there's a poster of Sarah Michelle Geller on the wall. So. Oh,
0: wow. You're right. That is a stretch. <laughs> Two of them. Inseparable, apparently. Oh, I guess so. So they've been together a long time, I would guess.
1: Yeah. Um, I think that they got married after Scooby-Doo, which was 2002.
0: Oh, okay. So
1: you know, almost twenty years. Look at that, Mills. Mm -hmm.
0: People can love find love anywhere. (laughs) I suppose so. Mm.
1: I don't know the relationship status of Matthew Lillard, but that's neither here nor there. (laughs) Anything else general to say about these two, or shall we dive into our first film? Let's
0: let's take a deep dive.
1: All right, Uh, movie number one from nineteen ninety nine. We have she's all that. Who the hell does she think she is?
0: I have yeah, 2,000 girls in this school, and I could bump monkeys with every one of them. Taylor Vaughn is totally replaceable. Could you spare me this whack shit about replaceable? Because we're talking about Taylor Vaughn here. Sorry, man. He's, he's right. No, of course I'm right. I mean, the girl's an institution in this place. Every girl wants to be her, and every guy wants to nail her. Basically, she's you, your tits. <laughs> no, no, you're wrong. See? The Taylor Vaughn you just described is an illusion, a myth. You strip away all that attitude and makeup. Basically, all you have is a C-minus GPA with a wonder bra. I give it up. Take, uh, take her, for example. Short, decent rack, kind of a Chelsea Clinton thing going on. But given the right look, the right boyfriend, bam, in six weeks, she's the one being crowned prom queen. You're serious. That's a heart attack. And clearly delusional. But how about a chance to prove me wrong? Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Ding, 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 ding. ding. The boy is bugging you. You're taking advantage of a friend in a vulnerable situation. See, that's swell, Preston. I fit the shivis and uterus and you could be my mom. No, seriously, the guy thinks he could do anything. Let him prove it. What do you say, Zach? A bet? Huh. Unless, of course, you're too okay Just name the terms. All right, simple. I'll pick the girl. Then you got six weeks to turn her into the prom queen. Okay, okay, we get it, okay? Everybody has a big Jimmy. Now, can we just... You got it. All right. Let's go shop.
1: (laughs) Something else I didn't know, because, again, I had never seen this movie, but uh, this was the film that made Kiss Me by Sixpence Mm. None the Richer a massive hit. a a massive earworm
0: that will never leave your brain
1: (laughs) yeah uh another thing where i guess people who know this movie know but i did not that that song is like synonymous with this movie
0: yeah it makes sense because they have to play it twice in the movie too which i hate that's like a pet peeve of mine
1: yeah it's like the big reveal moment and then it comes back at the end is that it
0: I don't even remember. I just know it. Yeah, it's twice. Or I, I could think of this, you know, when movies do that, like reuse a song that was like good in one spot and then use it again. Yeah. Not a fan.
1: It's definitely as though they knew, like somehow they were able to like glimpse through the crystal ball and see that that song <laughs> and movie combination yeah. would be significant. So they had to milk it as much as they <laughs> uh-huh. could.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Cause, uh huh. Because that song. When the movie came out, hit number two on the billboard charts and remained in the top 10 for 16 weeks. Wow. And I mean, attributing to that is the fact that uh, this movie, uh, I know it was number one the week that it came out. I'm not sure how long it stayed there, but uh, this movie had a box office take for a romantic comedy in the late 90s of 103.2
0: million. That's pr- That's pretty high, I bet the budget was nothing too uh
1: between seven and ten million, according Shh. to what I've read. I can't believe this is not a whole franchise, <laughs> but that is I never ever knew how popular this movie actually was mm-hmm. but um, gosh, I'll tell you as I'm watching it, like even the opening credits and I'm seeing names go by, and I'm just like. Man, like, not that these people are necessarily, like, the biggest names in the world, but it's just, like, a laundry list of fucking recognizable names oh, in sure. this movie. Like,
0: rapper Lil' Kim. I
1: was, like, the only movie I've ever seen her in for I some I think reason. it was her first movie. I don't know if she's been in any others, but... I
0: don't know. That was very random.
1: But, yeah, just listen to this list. Like, I had no idea. So, you have, obviously, Freddie Prince Jr. and Matthew Lillard. Uh, Rachel Lee Cook is the lead, uh, female lead. And then... Couldn't have told you Paul Walker was in this before I saw it. Nope. Kevin Pollack, again, not like, you know, A-list mainstream actor, but he's, he's like a, a- He's a worker, though. Yeah, he's a that-guy actor. Usher is in the movie. Lil' mm-hmm. Kim, as you mentioned. Anna Paquin. Kieran Culkin. Sir Michelle Geller, tiny tiny part, like I said. This is the acting debut of Gabrielle Union. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got Clea Duvall, who I know from The Faculty. Tim Matheson plays Freddie Prince Jr's dad,
0: oh yeah, Cleo Duval playing like the same character from the faculty.
1: Mm, <laughs> as a big fan of the faculty, I would disagree <laughs> with that statement in uh-huh. this movie. She plays like the privileged, rich bitch who treats like the the girl whose dad is uh-huh. a like a pool guy. Like she's trash, right. whereas she's kind of the one who's the outcast. She plays like the sci-fi. She's not like the artsy in goth the in
0: both of them. You don't think?
1: Uh, I, I mean, again in this movie, despite her looks, she's played as like a privileged asshole. Maybe I'm just going more for the look. You very much the privileged asshole, but the- I mean, you know, she has similar hairstyle and everything. But yeah, in the faculty, she's like. Kind of the nerdy pseudo, not exactly goth, but like not exactly goth, but she's like got that
0: outcast kind of artsy vibe.
1: Yeah, who rather than like going to football games and supporting her the team, she would rather sit at home and read like a science fiction novel. Mm -hmm. She's the one who gives all the exposition in the movie because she's read, uh, um, she she's seen the movie Invasion of the Body Snatchers basically. (laughs) All right, all right, but yeah, as a as a fan of the faculty, I'll I'll have to. uh, Disagree with you on that
0: statement. Oh, well, it's close enough for me to say. So.
1: <laughs> Eldon Henson, who would go on to be Foggy Nelson in the Daredevil TV show on Netflix, is in mm-hmm. this. And I didn't catch him, but uh, Milo Ventimiglia from Heroes and Other Things I has like a him. tiny cameo. He's
0: like, he like cleans the house or whatever.
1: Yeah, he's one of the JV soccer players.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, I did notice that. Just...
1: That's I mean again they're not all like big recognizable names or anything no, but these but are all like you know people I knew sure
0: they're like names some of them now for sure yeah
1: I was I was very surprised by that yeah no so You're totally right yeah I mean we've already touched on it but essentially uh Freddie Prince Jr is like the hot shit in school there's about 8 8 weeks left until uh prom and graduation Mm -hmm. And uh, his like super hot, like most popular girl in school goes away on like a vacation, like spring break or something, comes back and has decided to dump him for minor celebrity Matthew Lillard, who (laughs) (laughs) was on like the previous season of Real World within the show or within the movie. Which
0: which I enjoyed because I used to watch the real world, so (laughs) I I got a good chuckle there.
1: I only had little flirtations with the real world because I didn't have cable back during this time Mm. period, but Mm -hmm. uh, I did like that stuff as well, uh, very of the time. And so Freddie Prince Jr. is upset. He's been dumped, and he's like, well, who am I going to take to the prom? And uh, Paul Walker makes him a bet that uh, he can pick any girl in school and in six weeks turn her into, like, the most popular girl in school, so that she would be voted the
0: uh prom queen All right I have a question uh-huh. What do you think of Paul Walker as douchevillian number one? I
1: think it's weird, like he's obviously douchey the whole time, like to the point where I'm a little surprised that uh Freddie prince jr's character was even friends with him in the first place mm-hmm. because you have the impression just because like Freddie Prince Jr. drives like a nice car. He walks into school, and the first time you see him, he, like, stops and looks at, like, a framed photo of himself on the wall in the school. Like, he's, like, a important athlete in the school or something like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, like, says hi to some girl, and she freaks out. Like, oh, my God, he knows my name. But he got her name wrong, and she doesn't even care. Like, you would assume he's, like, a big jerk himself. But then it turns out he's actually, like, one of the smartest guys in school. And, you know, he's not he's definitely not as bad as Paul Walker. Right. Still still a jerk, but yes. Yeah, yeah. It still is weird to me, even, like, the turn of Paul Walker at the end where he becomes, like, the enemy of Freddie Prince Jr., I find weird. Because, like, you know, they make the bet. And at some point, uh, Paul Walker reveals to Rachel E. Cook's character, Lainey, that there was a bet in the first place to kind of try and break the two of them up. Mm-hmm. So that he can take her to the prom, and I don't fully understand why. Like, were we supposed to believe that he actually liked her? That can't be since he just wanted to, like, you know, take her to a hotel room after prom and get it on. Right. I just don't understand why he turned on Freddie Prince like that. Like, it feels like there's a deleted scene where Mm -hmm. Paul Walker and, like, some other friends are making fun of her, and then Freddie Prince, like... You know, jumps down their throat about, like, hey, shut up and leave her alone. You're being an asshole. So it would, like, turn him, turn Paul Walker against him. But there's no scene like that. He just all of a sudden becomes the villain out of nowhere.
0: Yeah. I feel, I feel like kind of overall this movie has plot holes like that. Like, and they don't like, they try to sell you on what's going on without earning it. And that's like one of the things. It just didn't make sense. It was, they don't even reveal like what the bet was till the end. Which actually, even, right. for me, made it worse because it's like the stakes are so low, realistically, that like, why would he like backstab Freddie Prince like that? Yeah, and they didn't. Yeah, it gave you no indication if he actually felt that way, or he's just trying to hook up, or he actually has feelings, or it's just yeah, yeah. For me, they did not sell it or earn it enough to make even sense to do it. Yeah, throughout the movie, I was
1: thinking to myself like, well, they never did say like winner gets my car or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so I was thinking like this is just like a um, quote unquote gentleman's bet just like to see if they can do it because Freddie mm-hmm. Prince claims that he can. But yeah, then all of a sudden there's like the backstabbing and everything and you don't find out literally until like the last scene of the movie what the bet was for. And right. so the whole time you're watching it, it does feel like there's no real stakes to it. Aside from the fact that she could find
0: out and it yeah. would everything would fall apart. Yeah. And I don't think like for me, I don't think they like did a great job of like giving a big impression if Freddie Prince was like really falling for her or not. hmm
1: You know? Just I kinda... think that they did a good enough job with it.
0: I don't know. Yeah. I mean, kinda... it's
1: not it's like you know, I didn't have trouble believing it necessarily, but
0: it's passable, but it wasn't like
1: I mean know. it's also a very
0: shallow mm-hmm. surface level movie. Right. So <laughs> Yeah, it was just like that was passable, but when you compound it with all the other stuff that's going on, it just felt like, by the numbers, like just generic, ugly duckling. Yeah, movie, big time. Again, it just. Like, his character, Freddie
1: Prince Jr.'s character is so confusing to me because it's like they want you to believe just based on tropes of other films that he's a certain kind of character. But he's more introspective than that, even before he starts hanging out with Laney about, like, the decision of what college to go to. Like, if he was really just, like, the douchebag character that it feels like they want you to think that he is... Then he probably just would have gone with the college his dad wanted to and wouldn't be thinking about it so hard and yeah. probably wouldn't have been able to get into all those colleges in the first place because he wouldn't be smart. But like mm-hmm. when he first goes to try and ask Laney out on a date, uh, she immediately thinks like, oh, he doesn't want to date me. He just wants me to like help him with his grades. And then he throws it back like I've got like the fourth highest GPA in our entire school. So it's like, I don't, it's, it's like they wanted you to,
0: they wanted their cake and and to eat
1: it too or something.
0: Totally. Cause it, I mean, it's probably even like a problem with this kind of setup for this movie is you have to make like Freddie Prinze like enough of like a villain character to sell the, to push the plot, but then they still want you to vote, you know, root for him at the end. Yeah. Which, you know, I guess can be depending on how good of a script it is, is how uh, successful they are at that.
1: (laughs) Well, speaking of the script, uh, the movie is credited to a writer named R. Lee Fleming Jr. Mm -hmm. Which
0: sounds like this was written in 1957 with a
1: name like that. R. Lee Fleming. (laughs) Really, all I could find as far as his writing credits are a single episode of Friends Uh and another movie in this same ballpark called get over it from 2001 which i don't think i've ever heard of does that name ring a bell to you no uh again just looking at the cast list i'm like geez, there's like a bunch of recognizable people in here but i don't think i've ever heard of this movie again get over it 2001 has kirsten dunst ben foster cisco colin hanks uh, Mila Kunis, Martin Short, Carmen Electra, Coolio, Ed Begley Jr., and Zoe Saldana. Wow! Just what is this fucking movie? <laughs>
0: I don't
1: know. I think it's another movie about like someone who gets dumped, and then their friends are like, as the title would suggest, trying to help him get over it or whatever. But what's it called again? Get over it. <laughs>
0: okay, uh, get over <laughs> putting that on the list. It. I mean, I might need a. Th- I gotta possible trifecta going here for (laughs) can't buy me love so
1: (laughs) it's one of those things where i would have had no interest in that movie otherwise but now that i've seen the connection to this film and that cast i'm kind of like you know it might might be kind of fun to watch that but all right uh, remember you said that (laughs) the real point i wanted to get to with the writing is uh so arlie fleming jr is the only credited writer oh yeah but you, I know I know this anecdote, and it's you amazing. You know who else worked on the movie? No one would ever guess it.
0: No. If you were like, I'll give whoever $100, one chance to figure out who's potentially, possibly was a ghostwriter. No one's going to guess it. Yeah,
1: no one would ever guess M. Night Shyamalan wrote a draft of this movie.
0: <laughs> How does that happen?
1: I mean, it's as impossible to figure out is like uh quentin tarantino writing a draft of uh, crimson tide
0: mm. like
1: you would you would just never know did that happen yeah come on mm-hmm. like the shoot the, and, and it went like that's what was filmed he wrote a pass on the movie like he did a version of the script i don't think he's credited oh, but similar to this, I where like multiple writers will work on a movie and do different drafts, and then like the person who does the final draft is the one who gets the credit depending yeah. on like how much they brought to Sometimes, the script or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like I I know that there's like the one thing that you can kind of connect to Quentin Tarantino that feels out of place in Crimson Tide is um
0: the s- silver surfer.
1: Like some of the characters have a conversation about silver surfer, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Kirby or Mobius. Which even comic books aren't a thing that I really connect to Quentin Tarantino, but like in Reservoir Dogs, I think there's a scene where someone has a silver surfer poster in their bedroom. Mm. Or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think it might be Tim Roth when they do the flashback of showing him like training to go undercover. Okay. But anyway, yeah, the whole point of this, M Night Shyamalan wrote a draft. <laughs>
0: No, back to the Silver Surfer.
1: (laughs) Of She's All That. While he was working on Stuart Little and working on his spec script for The Sixth Sense. That's amazing. Because he actually did start out more in the comedy realm. Uh, I don't know the name of it off the top of my head. But, like, years before The Sixth Sense, he did direct, and I think write, a comedy that, like, nobody's ever seen.
0: Oh, shit. Yeah, but, like, in
1: the 90s sometime, there was a comedy written and directed by... M. Night Shyamalan.
0: Okay, and yeah, he did adapt the Stuart
1: Little movies as well. So that's wild.
0: Yeah. So yeah, he's got she's all that part of it too, which is actually Mm -hmm. kind of it's kind of sad because I wouldn't because I don't think the script is very good. So it's kind of a bummer. Well, he didn't get credited, so. (laughs) So well, who knows? Yeah, I
1: mean, I I read, I didn't write down all the details, but um, you know, there were some things that. that the actual writer credits M. Night as like bringing to it, but it definitely sounds like it was more this Mills. Fleming guy.
0: I'm gonna put this out into the universe because then maybe that's a sign that it could happen someday. Mm-hmm. Triple Threat Theater, if we ever get like uh like uh, press credentials, okay, and we hit the red carpet for M. Night Shyamalan movie, just to get the chance to ask him what did you actually contribute to She's All That? <laughs> the
1: only thing I remember off the top of my head is apparently the line, am I a fucking bet? Mm-hmm. When uh, when Rachel Lee Cook like, mm-hmm. first finds out about the bet mm-hmm. and then she's confronting Freddie Prince Jr. Actually, apparently. I had
0: that in my notes and I forgot to look at it because I was like, I wasn't expecting any F-bombs. Yeah, apparently that came from him. Mm, all right. But
1: then on the flip side uh one of the more baffling sequences in the movie during the prom there is mm-hmm. like a a choreographed dance number to um <laughs> fatboy slim oh god
0: so 90s <laughs> so 1999 like,
1: out of fucking nowhere yep and uh so the director Uh, That wasn't necessarily supposed to be in the movie, but the director, like, really wanted to do it. Allegedly to show the Weinsteins who produced the movie that dance numbers were viable in films or some shit. Like, he really had his heart set on it. And so the Weinsteins let him film it. And then when they showed the movie to test audiences, every single member of the audience came back confused as to why there was a dance number. But... Rather than cut it i from what I understand, Usher was not originally in the movie because he doesn't really ever interact with anybody. He plays no. the part of like the Annoying the high school radio d j <laughs> yeah uh who you only ever hear like talking over other scenes as though you're like hearing him on the intercom and you then do you see, see him, him like in, in a the, booth a couple times yeah, you see him in the background
0: of the prom so he was but, there for that Yeah part. yeah
1: that's what i'm getting at though is that it sounds like his character was not in the movie originally and then in order to make sense of the dance scene they went back and did reshoots where they put usher like oh, peppered him throughout the movie okay. and then added him to the prom scene so that like he would be the DJ up there, like inciting the fucking dance, <laughs> like flash dance oh, or whatever. That's so weird. Yeah, it's like that would never happen at any prom ever. No, and when you Why? see how complicated the dance number is, yeah. Like, Stupid. did these people fucking practice this? Are we supposed to believe <laughs> that these high school students practiced yeah. this? Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what you're supposed to think, Bills. <laughs> yeah, man, uh, that was pretty amazing, though. Mm-hmm. Fucking mm-hmm. Fat Boy Slim. Unbelievable. <laughs> so we were talking before about, uh, you know, where the whole ugly duckling kind of thing comes from. And uh, what was the other movie that you mentioned from the 80s? Can't Buy Me Love. Can't Buy Me Love. It sounds like there's a degree of it in that. I feel like this is a pretty prominent one from this time period. Uh, I did not know that this movie is actually kind of inspired by or a loose adaptation of a early 1900s play Mm. by George Bernard Shaw called Pygmalion. Okay. Now, I tried to read a bit of a synopsis of the play to see how similar it is, and it didn't sound similar at all to me because the play is about a sculptor who falls in love with one of his own sculptures and then it comes to life and i don't know how that's related to this movie at all
0: okay all right
1: but then there was a another uh play musical actually that became a film which was inspired by pygmalion in the 60s called my fair lady which i have heard of and yes i have too okay that sounds a little closer to this where it's about um like a girl who wants to be like high society but she has like a like a speech impediment or like a really thick accent or something, and people look down on her because it because of it. So she goes to like a speech coach to try and like make her speech better, and then I guess the speech coach falls in love with her, like as she's like in spite of the fact that she her, she talks funny or something. I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> All right.
0: It sounds closer to this, but well. There's a, because I'm remembering there's also Nick Cannon, the Nick Cannon vehicle, Love Don't Cost a Thing, which I think might be, I don't know if it's a straight remake of Can't Buy Me Love, but it might be close. Hmm. So there's there's a, there's a few of these out there in the world.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So I'll have to do more research.
1: <laughs> do an entire Ugly Duckling yeah. themed episode. Yeah, get ready. Anything could happen here at Triple Threat. Mm, it's true, it's true apparently kevin pollack signed on to this movie specifically because he wanted to work with Freddie prince jr which i find a little surprising oh
0: okay
1: uh he had seen him in some other movie and was impressed by him and i guess i will say generally while i do enjoy matthew lillard and just like the amount of energy that he brings to a role it's hard to say how good of an actor he is because i feel like he's just like hamming it up most of the time and his Uh charisma makes up for the fact that what he's saying and doing is usually ridiculous
0: i mean i'd give him like enough that i don't think just anyone could do that like sell that over the top yeah like he's good at selling it for sure yeah for sure so but i would
1: easily say that uh you know between the two members of frethia prillard Mm. Uh, Freddie Prince Jr. is easily just the pretty face
0: with not a whole lot else to right. offer.
1: Right?
0: Yeah, because cause you could say I'm the last one to try to say if Matthew Lillard is a great actor or not, but maybe you know we the range is what we haven't seen a lot of because it's usually this out there character. Mm-hmm. But like I would say, yeah, he can at least like sell that over the top, yeah, ridiculous person where yeah, Freddie Prince is just kind of a. Yeah, he might just be the pretty face.
1: I hundred percent think that think yeah. that's it because I don't really see. But I, you know, I just watched three movies with him. Yeah. And admittedly, you know, I don't know how much real quote unquote acting there is supposed to be in Scooby Doo, but mm-hmm. between the other two, he's pretty bland and
0: wooden. Yeah. I um, I don't know much of for Rachel Lee Cook, but I thought she was pretty good. She does all the heavy lifting, really.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, like, Rachel Lee Cook, I, I obviously hadn't seen this, which I feel like is one of her bigger movies. I looked at her credits, and she's been in, like, 40-something movies, and I counted, I think I've seen, including this now, four of them.
0: Huh. I like, couldn't even tell you another one I could think of.
1: The only one I would have been able to tell you off the top of my head is a movie called 1114, which it's been a number of years since I've seen it, and it's not, like, a huge movie or anything, but um it's kind of one of these like a bunch of strangers lives are connected through the crazy shit that happens over the course of one night kind of movies okay the only other things that i recognized as something i've seen is tom and huck the uh the movie with um jonathan taylor thomas from <laughs> like the early 90s which mm-hmm. i haven't seen since i was a kid like i haven't seen that movie in like 30 years mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I've never seen that one.
1: And the the only other thing that I can say that I've seen is uh she does the voice of um what's her name? Uh I've never played through the whole game. The the female character in Final Fantasy 7 with like Tifa. the white
0: top Tifa? Yeah.
1: Yeah. She does the voice of Tifa in like a bunch of animated stuff and uh I I have seen Final Fantasy Advent Children. Hmm. Uh th- those that is all that I've ever seen her in, like I'm looking through her list and I recognize some names, but it's just like oh. I have somehow seen nothing she's yeah. in.
0: I've never seen Josie and the Pussycats, but I know that yeah, was me a neither. thing. So, yeah, she's um, kind of a. I I'm not gonna say an. Un- tech, I don't know how else would say like an unknown for me because this might be the only thing I've ever seen her in. Mm-hmm. But that's just pretty good. Yeah, you she's know. good. She carries a uh, Freddie Prinze. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah,
1: definitely. Between the that emotional relationship the two of them have, she is the stronger of
0: the two for sure. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, you know, she gets she gets the last shot of the movie where it ends very abruptly. Yeah, with the volleyball. <laughs> yeah, when you find <laughs> out what the the uh, ridiculous bet was actually for. Yeah,
1: good stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the one other person that I recognized in this, I've never known his name. Uh, Until now, but uh, did you recognize the Shermanator from American Pie?
0: Oh, I did, I did. Yeah, what is his name?
1: uh, His name in real life is Chris Owen. Oof, Uh, yeah, he's totally Shermanator still to everyone. Oh, 100%. Yeah. But uh, yeah, notice him in there too. You gotta have him in a movie like this from the, uh, Mm -hmm. the late 90s, early
0: 2000s. Yeah, I'll say where American Pie excels, and this falls very, very short, is the music. (laughs) Because this does not, there's no, like, besides that Kiss Me song, which I wouldn't even say I like, and they use it twice in the movie, but there's no, like, I didn't feel like there was any, like, discernible big song for me. Like, Fat Boy Slim, everyone knows that one, but when you think (laughs) of how, like, jam-packed some of these types of movies from the time, especially American Pie is, it was, like, I don't know, It's a big letdown for me. I was expecting a lot more from it in that regard. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: But... Yeah, I glanced at a track list of the songs from this movie, and I think there was like a Black Eyed Peas song in there.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: I I'd Nothing else really jumped out at me. Yeah, but pretty bad. So back to how popular this movie was for a minute. Mm-hmm. I thought this was pretty good. <laughs> I have a list here of uh, awards won by and for this movie. Oh. And there's quite a few of them. Come on. Yeah. So, I'd never heard of this before, but there was apparently an award show called the Young Star Awards.
0: No, I don't believe that for a second.
1: <laughs> Best performance by a young actress in a comedy film, Rachel Lee Cook. Teen Choice Awards, Freddie Prince Jr. won Best Actor, and Freddie Prince Jr. and Rachel Lee Cook won Best, quote unquote, Love Scene. Now, there's no. Unless I'm forgetting something,
0: no, (laughs) there is no
1: like consummation of their love aside from like a kiss. They finally
0: just kiss by the pool at the end. That's it.
1: I'm guessing that's what they're referring to is like the kiss by the pool. I guess from the Young Hollywood Awards, best song "Kiss Me" by. These are are made up
0: things, Mills. Where did you find these?
1: Uh, Wikipedia, and I mean anybody can edit Wikipedia, but. (laughs)
0: Well, I'm just gonna Take... start. I'm just gonna start making up award shows and peppering them into Wikipedia entries,
1: <laughs> and you'll hear about them on this show.
0: <laughs> like, oh, the Ryan Miller Award for Best Guy in a Suit goes to. <laughs> uh,
1: also, from the Young Hollywood Awards, Best Bad Girl Jodie Lynn O'Keefe, who plays uh, mm-hmm. the horrible ex girlfriend of Freddie Prince Jr. Taylor Vaughn.
0: Mm-hmm. That's such a like a mean girl name too, Taylor Vaughn.
1: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Kids' Choice Awards, favorite couple, Freddie Prince Jr. and Rachel Lee Cook. Wow. And Blockbuster Entertainment Awards, oh, favorite boy. actress, newcomer category, Rachel Lee Cook.
0: Is this Blockbuster like the movies? Movie store?
1: I think so. Oh, boy. They would have been big enough at the time to have their own awards. Sure, sure.
0: Okay. All right. So, yeah, hot in the streets.
1: Yeah. A couple of other quick little tidbits. Uh, Lainey's mom who has died before the plot of the film begins. Mm -hmm. Uh, You only ever see a photo of her, and it's not even like they do a close-up of the photo. You just kind of see it in the frame when she's painting a picture of her down in her little studio. Do you know who is in the photo as her mother? No. Uh, Only John McClane's wife, Bonnie Bedelia.
0: Oh. (laughs) She's
1: apparently... Holly Gennaro? Yes, yes She's apparently uh, Kieran Culkin Is it Kieran Culkin? Yeah, Kieran Culkin's like Aunt or Something like that Like she's related to him And that's why she Had her photo in the movie Oh, no way And uh, of all things This is the last movie Ever reviewed by Gene Siskel Before his death In February 1999 Wow And he gave it a positive review (laughs) That's interesting (laughs) Yeah and the director of this movie, Robert Ice Ice Cove, is Cove. Mm-hmm. I looked him up to see what else he'd done, and you would think since this movie was a big success, he'd have a little more to his name.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But uh, the only other theatrically released movie that I saw on his list was from Justin to Kelly, which might have killed his oh, career in one oh, fell swoop. Oh boy! Yeah,
0: it was over. <laughs>
1: but he did also direct Firestarter Rekindled for television. Wow. <laughs>
0: Hollywood Millsy There's nothing like it I know man It's crazy You think of like Some of these people's careers And like Hopes and dreams It's just kind of It's pretty wild
1: That's admittedly One of my favorite things About this show Like I never would have Spent
0: time (laughs) reading The Wikipedia page For She's Uh, All That Totally you learn so much Weird shit on the internet (laughs) I mean this is Absolutely another one Where it's like This is like This was huge In pop culture at the time It's always been there Like It's like, oh, that's a movie I know. I I probably already know what it is. You know, I know so much about it without seeing it. I still never would have watched this without this show. Mm -hmm. You know, just one of those ones.
1: I can't say for sure I would have, but this is definitely. I'm I'm weird enough when it comes to like '90s movies that I could see myself watching this at some point of my own accord.
0: (laughs) Uh, When did you buy it on (laughs) Blu-ray?
1: I'm waiting for uh, Shot Factory to release it. Any day now. Um, I, I have to admit, like, so where do you come from? You're just a couple years older than me, but we're, you know, we grew up in the same time frame. Mm-hmm. For me, I, I guess it's just the nostalgia of like watching movies in the nineties when I was young. But like movies from the throughout the nineties and into the early two thousands, there's just like a feel and a look and kind of a hokiness to like these kind of high school movies, yeah. like American Pie and this. That even if the movie isn't good, like, if the plot sucks and the acting's not good, like, there's still something appealing about it to me. Yeah. It, well, do you get the same vibes?
0: T- totally. I, we we didn't agree on this regard when it came to Meet Joe Black, because I feel like that mm, movie right. fell under that for you, but not for me. Oh, 100%. Just but, the style and, yeah. like, the, the feel know, of that movie. I don't know if this has come up on the show or in our personal lives, but... I would consider myself a can't hardly wait person. Where you're more of a American, American Pie person. Mm-hmm. Still, I still like American Pie, but I can remember at the time like enjoying can't hardly wait more. I haven't I, seen
1: I, can't hardly wait since it was new, so I can't attest to uh, my. But feelings it's, it's on that,
0: that but. it's that one for me is like fun because it like that's goes like there's people in that movie that i'm pretty sure i went to high school with (laughs) you know those archetypes for sure so Mm -hmm. that one like uh i don't know if you could say hit closer to home but that was definitely like the one for me especially that time and yeah not great movies but i could still watch both of those and enjoy them for sure so there's a there's a certainly like a feeling and just like an overall kind of the vibe, I guess, that applies yeah. for sure. So I agree completely. Well, I'm glad that I'm not alone in that regard. <laughs> yeah, but, but it, it's it for me. It hits me more with the uh, can't wait, which sure. people would probably still say. Like, you know, if you were gonna uh, if you were gonna like ask the general public, most people would say American Pie is the one for them. But. Yeah, but
1: not even, like, which ones you like. Just, like, a movie like this. Like, She's All That. Like, I've never seen it before. Sit down to watch it and, you know, whatever else the movie has to offer or not. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, there's, like, a comfortable, recognizable space that it occupies yeah. in the history of cinema that I recognize and helps me, you know, sit through it and enjoy it
0: mm-hmm. totally. a little more. Which, those, those movies for us are what, like, our parents or... Are- prior generations would be like uh, Animal House and stuff like that. Animal House and like Meatballs or what did we watch, you know, uh, Ski School. and, you know. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. And like that kind of stuff, especially like older movies, like 70s, early 80s comedies and stuff like that is something that it's taken me time to like grow an appreciation for. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's because, you know, I wasn't from that era. So it feels a little alien to me. But, um, you know, I'm working to better myself. Yeah,
0: I hear you. I got you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, all right. Anything else to say about She's All That?
0: Um, we covered a lot of ground here. So, <laughs> no, I don't think so.
1: Uh, the show always will surprise me in that always. regard. <laughs> always. <laughs> How can we spend that long yeah. talking about She's All That?
0: I don't know. We might as well just wrote a term paper about it. <laughs>
1: All right, well, can we do the same for also 1999's Wing Commander?
0: What was it? No. What was he? Hey, give me a medic. Give me a medic. Give me, hey, someone give me a rescue crew. Give
1: me a rescue crew. Give, give me a rescue Give me a medic. Give me a medic.
0: Get a rescue crew. No. She's not doing the other you go do that field job! mission are history! Alright? Come here, shoot! Somebody come here, shoot! Rosie. Rosie. Rosie, can you hear me? Make one. We need to get out of
1: here. Rosie.
0: You're running on fumes, here, boss.
1: can need to go on.
0: Push that wreckage off the deck. What is that? What is this? No, no, no. No, no, no. Okay, look. Look, all right? I know. I can see your eyes. Stop it, please! I'm gonna go get her, all right? I'm gonna go get her. You are not, I you see- are not going out there. I mean, get away from me you son of a bitch you are not going out there
1: so i really just desperately want to know your thoughts on this movie because as i said i've seen it before i've actually seen it twice before Mm -hmm. Uh, because i saw it way back when it came out and then at some point in the last like 10 years i remember thinking to myself like i don't remember much about that movie but Mm-hmm. It's like a sci-fi movie from like the early 2000s. It's got to be like entertaining. Right. And revisited it and promptly forgot everything about it all over again. So this was once again almost like a first time watch.
0: Okay. I got gotcha. you. So um I knew it was a video game. That's really about it. Uh-huh. Um I would say this this movie is as boring as it is ugly. <laughs>
1: Yes, I would agree with that sentiment
0: wholeheartedly. Yeah, it's just, I'll, right off the top, I'll say I actually liked Matthew Lillard in this. Mm-hmm. Um, he's hard
1: not to like. He's just got like charisma, and he's yeah. even like this movie is dull, as you say, mm-hmm. and he's like a little ray of sunshine because he yeah. livens up every scene he's in. He does. I mean, and
0: he's not like his super over the top like. I mean, he's probably, like, he could now, after this episode, be the MVP of Triple Threat, because he's now been in, like, four movies, at <laughs> yeah. least. I um, think
1: him and Al Pacino might be duking it out for most <laughs> films reviewed on this show right now.
0: Oh, who the funk, Mills? Who the funk? <laughs> but, yeah, he certainly, like, livens things up, and he's not in it enough. But I liked, actually liked his performance. I was sitting there being like, oh, you know, this was the last one I watched of the three. And at the, by the end, I was just like, oh, well, I was like, you know, I was kind like, of like enjoying his time because it wasn't the cranked up to 10 over the top, you know, on caffeine character like all the other ones. I mean, so there's, there's hints of that, but, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know why he got cast in this one, but it's not nearly as crazy as the other ones.
1: Yeah, um, there's no scene where he does like the worm in the middle of a giant right, party right. in someone's Hollywood Hills <laughs> right home while their right. parents are away in
0: exactly. vegas exactly um but yeah the rest of it is just it's even like hard to follow it's its kind of convoluted it's just ugly the sci-fi you do get is pretty subpar it's basically um what's it Milzy? couple six seven hundred years in, in the future Yeah, it's like 2649 or something like that. Intergalactic Federation is trying to stop some aliens from getting to Earth and doing bad things. Yeah,
1: the best I can describe it because I wasn't fully on board with the plot either Mm -hmm. (laughs) is that there's an evil race of cat-like humanoids called the Kilrathi and... They want to get to Earth. And I don't know why they can't just go there. I guess because of the military presence around the Earth. So they steal something called a NAVCOM, which I'm assuming is just short for navigational computer. Yeah,
0: some supercomputer thing.
1: Yeah, they steal this, like, navigational device and, like, space travel within this world this uh you know franchise revolves around like jumping through wormholes so it's not like in star wars where you can just go light speed from anywhere you have to go to a certain point and then travel through a wormhole so i guess it's all about them trying to find a wormhole that will get them straight to earth so they can do a surprise attack and uh then like the the one ship that's within range trying to get back to earth to warn everybody that they're coming is, right. I, I think that's basically
0: the premise mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that works It's, it's enough for this review <laughs> Yeah, everything is just I mean, you don't even know that these are like cat aliens Until the pretty close to the end Yeah, I think you can
1: tell that the budget for them was not there Because you only see them in like You know, three quarter of a second long shots yeah, At the end right. of the movie
0: And every shot is like a bust this, this movie's full of just, like, mid-range bust shots of everything, you mm-hmm. know? Because I noticed there was, like, one shootout for Freddie Prinz and these cat guys, and every shot was, like, Freddie Prinz from the chest up, while possibly the same rubber cat alien was, like, just falling over, you know? Yeah.
1: It makes it feel like they didn't have the budget to build the bottom half of the alien costumes.
0: Totally. So they just shot them from the waist up. Without a doubt. Where it's just like, dude, just put... Put people in makeup, if that's the best you can do. Like, put some people in some funky-looking green makeup. I'll take that over, like, terrible cat costumes that only the eyebrows move. Well, it's funny, like, that they couldn't
1: just do that and, like, star trek it and, like, paint people purple and have them be the bad guys because, you know, this movie was based on a series of video games, and the video games all feature cat-like humanoid enemies and so they wanted to stay you know true to that but then from what i was reading they completely changed the look of the aliens from the games to the movie partially because uh, there was something wrong with the design like it was hard too hard to make them furry or some shit I, i don't remember but it's like they had to keep it cat people, but then the cat people don't even look like the cat people that the fans would recognize from the game. So what was the fucking point of forcing they, them to be cat people anyway, especially when obviously point. it didn't work out that well
0: for them? Yeah. It's just like, it's terrible.
1: But it's funny they, that, you know, you don't even see them until the end because it's just like this ever-present force. It's it's more, the, this movie, as the title would suggest, is more about like space combat rather than like yeah. ground troops or whatever. So that one scene at the end where it is like, "Oh, I've got like a crazy machine gun and I'm running through the hallways of this like alien
0: spacecraft" feels really out of place. Yeah. Cuz even then the the entire movie, there's no it's only takes place in spaceships. There's no 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 bit of it is on land.
1: Yeah, at least 50% of this film takes place in the hangar bay of a space right. shuttle.
0: Right. Which is just like drab and gray and maroon and all the cat alien stuff is like foggy and it's just like yeah the whole movie dark and ugly is dark and muddy
1: looking the budget for this movie was 30 million which was not nearly enough to do like all of the space battle wormhole computer mm-hmm. readout stuff that they obviously wanted to uh honestly the only thing visually that like as i was sitting there watching the movie i was like i can actually kind of like this was their gray and red uh like flight suit oh, costumes
0: Millsy. my man milsey i was gonna say the same thing oh really <laughs> like not not so much what they were wearing in the cockpits yeah but, but like just they're, when they're running around the here yeah i like that
1: yeah they I were it good cool looking costumes and the bright red really set it apart
0: from everything else in the movie that was drab and ugly and it had some like cool bits of detailing i'll give them that and even like the hanger was like a little more like sci-fi dressed up than i was expecting to well most of the movie takes place there it better look good yeah so that looks good those two i was like okay those are pretty good the their little like fighter jets that they use the rapiers terrible yeah Ugly, ugly, ugly. There's not a cool-looking spaceship in this entire movie. No, everything just looks like some cigar-shaped, boring kind of cylinder junk. Yeah, I mean these really just looked like
1: like modern-day military, or not even modern-day, but not like even. 80s, 90s military yeah. planes, but with like a little extra detailing on them. Yeah,
0: with like stubby wings. Yeah. And, and like the s-
1: fronts of them looked like they were huge, like miniguns, but they didn't rotate or do anything no. cool. Yeah, they they, they just shot a single green laser out of the, the top yeah. uh of of each one. And they were like they were so
0: big on the front of them that they like didn't even like look cool. Like a minigun could look cool. They just mm-hmm. looked like proportions were all off. I just every time I saw them, I was just like, oh. It what happened?
1: Like, for a movie that focuses so much on like space travel and space combat and coordinates and shit like that, anytime that they show anybody doing anything in the ship, you almost never see anybody actually like steering with a stick or with a steering wheel or anything like that. It's all like a little like twelve digit number pad off to the side oh. of the cockpit, and they just like type random numbers into it, and you hear like boop, 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 and then they're they are- doing things.
0: There was one scene. It was early on when maybe it's like the first time Freddie Prince does that. Does the
1: jump, yeah.
0: Where it's like literally it was just like three shots back and forth from his face to the keypad, his face to the keypad. And it was it really was. It was just like a, a keypad on like an old telephone. hmm And that's yeah. all he did. He didn't touch another control. It just typed in tons of numbers.
1: And then when the like what's his name? Paladin, when he comes back into the room, he's all amazed, like, oh my God, you just you just yeah. without like the help of the navigational computer, you just uh charted a course through a quasar or whatever by yourself like that's amazing and then mm-hmm. it's revealed that Freddie Prince Jr. and the Paladin guy actually are both like half pilgrim, which if I'm remembering this correctly, pilgrims are humans, but it's like a different sub species of humans <sighs> who are like in touch with the universe and can like feel magnetic fields and stuff so they're better at navigating and they just know their way around the galaxy or something
0: Some, yeah i didn't get the angle of like if it's a different species or what i mean they talk they are humans it's not like they're from another planet but yeah they call them humans but he gets called like a halfling or something so there's some yeah because his father was like a normal
1: human and then his mother was a pilgrim which is almost like i don't know like being half i don't know Chinese or yeah. something like, right. it's, it's not explained very well. No, and come to find out that like again, this is an adaptation of a video game. The whole concept of the pilgrims and this other like race of humans who knows how to navigate completely made up for this movie. Which again, oh, really, yeah, like wow. I, like I'm not sure how big of a franchise this video game series is. Obviously, popular enough that it has had several games. Um, but this is a crazy thing to me. Do you know who directed this movie? No. The Guy's name is Chris Roberts. And this is the only movie he's ever directed. He is the guy who created the video game series. Stop. He's like a programmer and video game producer. He created the wing commander video game series. And I searched and searched high and low on the internet for like a backstory behind how the fuck a movie studio gave this guy $30 million to direct a a big budget movie. I couldn't find anything, but I could not believe it when I saw that he was the one who directed this, which is probably why it looks so bad. And it feels so like stiff and wooden because he has no experience directing a film. But then on top of all that, for him to be like the main creative force given the keys to the kingdom to make the movie of his darling, And Mm -hmm. then he changes so much shit, like the design of the creatures and none of the spaceships look anything like they do in the games from what I was reading. And like he changed the like ethnicities of half the characters and just
0: it's like wild. It just smells like if someone green lit it and then they just came in with like every change possible to be like, no, this this movie will never come off. We don't have an A-list star and lead Freddie Prinze Jr. Or something. uh, Quoth
1: Freddie Prince Jr., I can't stand Wing Commander. I can't watch one scene of that movie. I read the script and loved it. So did my buddy Matthew Lillard. We both got the parts. We went on location and they said, here's the new script. It was a piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) So apparently they, like, you know, pulled the rug out from under them. And I don't know what this movie was originally that got sold to a studio, but I just. I would love like I don't like this movie, but mm. I would love if like Shout Factory would put out a Blu-ray with like a two hour documentary about how the fuck this thing yeah. got made.
0: Cause man, this thing
1: bombed hard too. Yeah. 30 million budget and it made eleven point six in the box office.
0: <sighs> Oof uh,
1: Yeah, it's pretty brutal. Yeah. And I mean, just I don't know.
0: It's rough. It's very rough.
1: Freddie Prince Jr., I guess relatively big at the time. Matthew Lillard like they, it feels like they were both kind of rising stars at that moment but then the rest of the cast like some recognizable faces but not really anybody of note and it's funny so are you familiar at all with the video
0: game franchise no I know it's a thing that's about it
1: yeah I've never known anything about it except the one thing I could have told you because I've seen like screenshots is that they typically have live action sequences in the game with mm-hmm. uh, actual like movie actors like doing like playing parts like they actually appear in the game and among the people who have acted in the video games you have john reese davies uh mark hamill thomas wilson who's the guy who played biff in back to the future Malcolm McDowell, Christopher Walken, John Hurt, and Clive Owen. And you couldn't oh. get,
0: like, one of them to be in the movie to give it a little more clout? That's just... Uh, yeah. The, yeah, this needs, like, a... This needs, like, a Kickstarter, Kickstarter documentary about yeah. the making of Wing Commander, for sure. 100%. Apparently, Malcolm McDowell was going
1: to be in it, but then there was some kind of, uh, like, scheduling conflict with something else that he was doing. But, I mean, instead of all those recognizable names, you get... Checky Cario and David Suchet Mm -hmm. and Jürgen Proshnow and David Warner. I don't expect anybody to recognize those names. I recognize them all visually because like Checky Cario or however you pronounce his name, Paladin, he's the bad guy in Bad Boys. So like I recognize him, but Mm -hmm. he's not like a name (laughs) that sells a movie, you know? (laughs) Just yeah. yeah, just such a weird cast. It's like Freddie Prince Jr., Matthew Lillard, and a bunch of
0: nobodies. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's just. I, I I want to know more. Yeah, I want to I want to spend the runtime of this movie watching, the entire backstory of how it was made and how it burned to pieces. Yeah, I just cannot imagine how a
1: studio let the guy that created the game direct this movie to the tune of thirty million dollars. Like, if he came in with, like, his own backing and was like, hey, would you guys toss in, like, 10 mil on top of my 20 to get this movie made or something? Like, that I could buy. But it's not like Wing Commander is Mario Brothers or Tomb Raider or some, like, huge, massive, like, worldwide success or anything. Yeah, totally. It's like a game that, like, there's a specific group of nerds that really enjoy it, so it sells enough to keep on putting out mid-range games, like, from what I can tell. Ugh, it's just crazy. Yeah. All I could think, and keep in mind that I'm not a big Star Trek guy, so Mm -hmm. in the same way that I disagreed with your thoughts on Cleo Duvall from the faculty, because I'm a big fan of that, someone who's a big fan of Star Trek could call me on this and say that I'm wrong, but... It felt like this movie just wanted desperately to be Star
0: Trek. I could see that. I mean from the whole like United Federation deal and it's nothing happens on any planets, it's all in spaceships and yeah, like warring factions of other planets, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, it just it felt like Star Trek if instead of any space battles just being the enterprise versus other ships the enterprise Mm -hmm. had like a bunch of little fighter planes on it that they would send out like it just feels like i don't it's not exactly political but it just i know what you mean but it's like bureaucratic yeah exactly it's like oh is this person a spy how can i trust you i have this ring that means you know i'm telling the truth and Mm-hmm. You know, even the the idea of the pilgrims and like they're this slightly different species who is in tune with the universe or whatever feels almost like they're trying to do like a Mr. Spock kind of thing.
0: Yeah, like there's certain properties that like, again, I don't know shit about most of them, but it's like, like this or, you know, like you're saying with um, Star Trek or like even like, I don't know anything about like Babylon 5, but I feel like it fits or like the old Battlestar Galactica, you know, like those are a certain kind of. Yeah. spacefaring sci-fi that I feel like is in the general kind of same wheelhouse.
1: And maybe it makes me think of stuff like that because you imagine that those shows like being science fiction with like costumes and alien races and special effects for like space battles and things like that. It's probably relatively expensive to produce a TV show like that. So by design, they end up being OK, we're going to spend a lot of money on this one like these three sets that are going to be like the different parts of our ship. And then you're going to spend most of the time on the bridge and in the hangar and in like the, you know, the engine room or something like that. And that's where like all the exposition and stuff has to take place so we can save money for like the couple of times we do have to show like a space battle or another planet or some alien creatures we have to design and build. Mm -hmm. And this feels like that. It feels like, Everything is just people talking about bigger ideas in the yeah. same three locations. Totally. And then every now and then there's just like PlayStation 1 graphics of like yeah. Pl- yeah. ships flying
0: around right. in space and blowing it right. up. And the, the best pilots in the galaxy making pretty bad mistakes that get other people killed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know?
1: And it's a shame because, you know, of, of the entire cast, aside from Matthew Lillard, Uh, Was her name Rosie The girl that he kind of falls in love with Was like Mm -hmm. the other character that was
0: actually Kind of likable and charismatic And then she dies That's like the one bit that was like A step above the rest of it and then they just bulldoze her carcass off of the spaceship. Yeah.
1: Like, okay, if you're going to send a ship out there to bull- bulldoze her yeah. fucking ship off the side, like, couldn't you just bulldoze it back into yeah. the hangar? Just check it, and it see if she's alive first? Like, you're just bulldozing her anyway. Take a, yeah,
0: you couldn't just take a look inside? Yeah. it just pushes her off the side. And then, like,
1: so she leaves the picture because she dies. And then Matthew Lillard has like one more scene where like now he's got motivation so he's going to really kick ass in his fighter jet. But then the entire end of the movie, like the last act after that, I was actually thinking like man, did I did I fall asleep for a minute and miss mm-hmm. when Matthew Lillard died? Like why isn't he in this anymore? Mm-hmm. And then at the end, like, uh, he runs up and hugs Freddie Prince Jr. in the hangar. I was already thinking to myself, after the movie's over, I'm going to have to rewind and see what happened to him. Yeah. And then he, he just, runs in and I'm like, oh, they just, he just wasn't in the movie for the last 20 minutes yeah. for no reason.
0: Yeah. At that point, we just stopped asking questions, Mills. <laughs> that's kind of, that's how that went. Yeah. Uh, wing commander
1: Oof. <laughs> And then another another funny little thing About this movie is so It's based on a video game It's directed by the guy who created the video game uh, The dude who wrote this movie The only other noteworthy credit That he has for writing Is another video game movie He also wrote Mortal Kombat
0: Oh well Cheers to him
1: <laughs> uh, Kevin Droney is his name
0: Wow Alright alright so it's like and, a small circle that just keeps making all these things. Perhaps. Yeah.
1: And uh, the one other little tidbit I have about this one is that Mark Hamill actually does have an uncredited cameo as the voice of the computer that uh, Freddie Prince talks to called Merlin,
0: like oh, in his I, cockpit. I never would have guessed
1: that. They did like a computer effect on his voice, so you would never know it was him anyway.
0: Wow. All right.
1: Wing that's Commander. Good, that's as good a
0: place to leave off as any.
1: All right. Let's dive into our third and final film uh, from 2002, Scooby
0: Doo. Scooby Doo. Thank
1: you so much for saving the factory. Now, any comments for God. us? This is a victory for any celebrity who wants to make a quality, ecologically friendly action figure. Fred, what's the secret of your success?
0: Teamwork. I do a tremendous amount of teamwork and. I always have a plan. Yeah. My plan. I knew from the beginning there was never a phantom. The Luna Ghost is in fact...
1: Oh, man, Smithers! The creepy janitor?
0: Smithers won a revenge after you refused to go out with him. How could you, Pamela? I am a lover boy of George Clooney in proportions. Fred, how is the ghost able to fly? I can answer that. Watch. These balloons fill with a highly potent helium synthesis, giving the Luna Ghost
1: his weightless appearance.
0: I would have gotten away with you if it weren't for you meddling bitch and your dumb dog. I'll get you for this!
1: So the outstanding thing I could have told you about this before since I would never seen it, is that James Gunn wrote the movie. He, like, wrote the script.
0: Yep. Oh, that I did know. Now, it never felt,
1: uh, like, completely offbeat to me that he would write a Scooby-Doo movie, or two, because he did write the sequel as well. Mm-hmm. Because he's kind of, like, a unusual filmmaker with probably strange interests, and I could see him getting off on, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to write, like, you know, the the Scooby-Doo gang goes in and they fight like ghosts on a haunted amusement park island or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. it seems in his wheelhouse. I concur. But then the more I read about the movie, the more it kind of began to make sense that he was a part of this film. Do you know the history of this movie and how it got made?
0: Uh, not exactly, no I, from The little bit I do know, which I think I've said before on Triple Th- that I kind of like, I don't do as much Research anymore, because I kind of like to be blown Away with all the facts and bits That you find mm-hmm. um, One thing I did know that I think I caught before That I did see just quickly was that I think this was going for like An R rating originally Like it was going to be like much more of like An adult kind of Goof on Scooby-Doo More than like an adaptation Yeah But then that changed somewhere along the way
1: That's really all I know So this movie, a live action Scooby-Doo Was in development hell for like A long time, starting somewhere in the 90s And at some point Both Jim Carrey and Mike Myers were attached at different Points to play Shaggy Mm -hmm. Which is kind of crazy to think about Mike Myers playing Shaggy Seriously uh, and when the movie finally got greenlit and was going to get made, James Gunn, you know, nowadays he's like worked for Disney and Marvel and he's made Guardians of the Galaxy. And those are like very popular movies that families can enjoy together. And they've got their risque jokes like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, if you had a black light, it would look like a Kevin Pollock painting yeah. and Star Lord spaceship and stuff like that. But kids aren't going to get that. But, you know, he comes from trauma. And
0: like, did you fir- say? Just real quick, I think I appreciate sure you just said a Kevin Pollock painting. Oh, did I say Kevin Pollock? <laughs> Jackson <laughs> Pollock, sorry. This is perfect for this episode.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if Kevin Pollock is a painter. I know he has oh, a podcast. That's good. That's good. Oh, right, that's funny. On.
0: Uh
1: I'm sure that's because we were just talking about Oh, him. for t- totally. <laughs> but um, you know, he uh, James Gunn comes from trauma. And the first movie he wrote was Tromeo and Juliet, which I have not personally watched, but I know that there is like a giant penis monster with a face on it in that movie. And um, it kind of makes sense that he would have been, before he became a name at all, like this was before he even made Slither, mm-hmm. like his own, his own movie. Yeah. He could have been like a jobber,
0: you know, like just trying to get script yeah.
1: gigs. But it kind of makes sense... If he's he comes from Trauma, which is like kind of darker twisted movies with like R ratings and lots of weird stuff in them, that if the studio was planning to try and make like an R-rated, almost winking and nodding parody of scooby doo mm-hmm. it kind of makes sense that he would have been involved yeah, with it. I I think so, for and sure. And so according to Sarah Michelle Geller, uh, she really wanted to do the movie. Freddie Prince Jr wasn't interested but I guess they might have been in a relationship already at this point and she convinced him to be a part of the movie. So the four key actors signed on. And then after, like they signed on knowing that like I what what I read is she said that she thought it was going to be a PG-13 movie with like an edge to it. Mm -hmm. And then apparently after they hired everybody and like the movie was about to film, it sounds like the studio lost their nerve and decided, no, we're going to make this a straight up family film. So technically it is, you know, James Gunn's script that he wrote, but they like, you know, neutered it a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so there's still some jokes in there that are like, you know, drug references that little kids wouldn't understand or whatever, dealing with Shaggy, you know, and the fact that he's always been perceived as like a stoner and everything. But apparently they were going to hit that stuff over the head real hard. In the actual movie So there were some things that they Actually filmed and then had to go Back and fix like one of the things that I Read uh, because apparently in like 2017 James Gunn posted A Facebook post where he kind Of revealed some of this stuff Apparently they had to go in With CG and reduce the cleavage On the female leads of the movie At certain parts because it was so Risqué oh wow and There was actually a scene Where um Velma and uh, Daphne kiss on screen, and they removed that because they were concerned about oh, wow. what that would say to children, I guess.
0: So, this has already turned into one of those ones where it's like, what was going on in the background or like in the executives' offices? Like, who yeah. signed off on that first script only to change it later? It's just it's weird so to weird. think that Scooby
1: Doo, like a children's franchise, is finally going to get a live action. Movie Like a big live action movie With CG and everything And like what possessed them To want to make the R-rated version But the thing is James Gunn claims That there is an R-rated cut In existence And mm. now I feel like I will not be happy Until I either die Or see yeah. that version of this
0: movie I'm, I gotta agree Because it's it's even like because you say, like, who, who what bigwig was it asking for an R-rated version? I mean, at the time, in 2002, like, was Scooby-Doo even on TV for, like, kids to even be into? Or was I feel it... like Scooby-Doo is ever-present. Like, there
1: may not always be, like, new episodes being made, but there's, like, animated movies and stuff, and the comic book has been running for decades, you know? It's, it's always okay. there. All right, because
0: I feel like that would be, I don't know, man, I wish I... I wish we were lucky enough to have, like, movies like that that took a chance. Like, nope, this is Scooby-Doo is just for the parents. Like, don't show this to your kids. Like, I wish there was a movie like that. Yeah. I just,
1: I can't believe that's the direction they were going to go. And I can't believe that they filmed enough of that stuff that James Gunn claims there's a cut of it out there. But, God, I just... Whatever studio produced this, I just desperately want to, like, get a job there, like an intern job, rise through the ranks, and get to the point where I have access to the fucking vaults. Because I want to see that so bad. A Without fucking a R-rated Scooby-Doo movie with fucking Freddie Prince Jr. Yeah. and Sarah Michelle Geller. Come on. That's just like, amazing. Talk about, <laughs> talk about, like, yeah, Shout Factory
0: version. Like, that's what I want. Yeah. Totally. I would buy that.
1: Something I'm sure they'll never release, but God, that's fascinating to me. Very. As for the movie we ended up with, the CG and Wing Commander looked really bad, potentially because they only had $30 million to work with. Mm -hmm. Uh, By comparison, the budget on this movie was $84 million. I'm saying that is a lot of money for O2, Mills. Yeah, I know. And, you know, Scooby himself doesn't look great it looked passable i mean for the time i bet it looked quite good it's one of those things where it's like
0: the like the animation is like good i guess it's like probably what they wanted like movement wise but like that overall like sheen of it just like not fitting with the rest of what's on the screen you know Mm mm-hmm I feel like it's totally what's missing.
1: And his like his eyes look really weird. It's like there's too yeah. much detail in the eyes and his body's too simple looking, so it just looks funny and Yeah.
0: It just doesn't like it's over like he's like brighter than everything else. It's yeah. just like very indicative of the time.
1: And the monsters look fucking horrible. Yeah, they're just horrible. Like... And kind of to what you were just saying about how he sticks out like a sore thumb and doesn't look like he belongs. For mm-hmm. something campy like Scooby-Doo. I honestly think it would have been more successful if they did, like, old school animation, like, hand animation mixed with live action, like they used to do oh. back in the day,
0: mm-hmm.
1: instead of this, uh, instead of CG.
0: I would say, watching this movie, I had, like, many thoughts about many things with this movie. <laughs> I, would, like, agree, because, like, it's just, it's too bad it was O2, because this is just what was happening with everything, was... Everyone involved probably thought their CG was the best looking stuff it would ever look, and now when you look back, it's awful. Mm -hmm. But like, man, imagine this movie if it was just like a real dog, (laughs) or or like close-ups was like an animatronic dog head. Mm -hmm. Like even like half like a seventy-five percent like not even a great one, but just like how much like more fun this movie would be if it was just like they'd have just like some random-ass dog aimlessly running around.
1: See, like I find ups. it hard to imagine with a real dog because Scooby is a character that has like so much sort of facial like. expression and personality and like body language and you know the, the
0: stuff that <laughs> yeah, he can the, do that's like a human. Right, but that to me that makes it funnier for me. Like I know it like doesn't like quote unquote like make sense on paper, but I don't. know. I think for like because I was like weird of a property it is to even make like and has bad as the cgs is it's just like man i was as i'm sitting here thinking i was like god this is like really feels like this should be like an adult stoner movie where it's just like they got like you know like a real dog that's not doing what it's supposed to i don't know it's just like that would have been so much more funny for me because i would say like scooby is the worst part of this movie. like whenever he's on i even like we can get into it but like i didn't necessarily hate this movie but like my least Interesting parts for me were Scooby doing anything or talking. (laughs) Uh, I
1: didn't mind him so much. I mean, it just feels natural that Scooby's going to do the kind of goofy shit that he does. I really hated just all of the the monsters. Like they look, uh, it's like they don't exist in reality, these things. It's like a a made up Mm -hmm. creature. So it's already weird looking. And then they have, like, the bad CG. So it's, like, try, my mind is trying to wrap my head around what I'm looking at within the scenes. And then on top of that, they're cartoony. So there's yeah. scenes where their, like, bodies are stretching in weird ways and, oh, like, yeah. just doing things that only exist in, like, funny cartoons. And so, like, at least a dog, like, my mind knows what I'm looking at. But the scenes with those big purple monsters it's just like my brain couldn't work out what the fuck I was watching half the time. And it, I don't know. It made those scenes really confusing and difficult to to pay attention to or
0: something for yeah. me. It's just bad. Cause it's just how bad that CGI was on them in particular. It just didn't match up at all. They weren't like cool designs for monsters. Yeah. It's a thing where just... like, I feel like you can go back,
1: go back and watch something like space jam and, mm-hmm. Like the designs of those aliens are like simple. It's kind of like the thing with the Transformers movies, how. You Know they have all the CG in the world to make those super complicated Michael Bay transformers look real, but then in action, it's so confusing to pay attention to what you're looking to that it just doesn't right. work, and you need like those simple G1 transformers yeah. designs, something more easy like sh- the bumblebee easy shapes
0: movie. and everything. Yeah, totally. Yeah,
1: and I feel like that's the problem here is like Scooby is a simple shape, and it's something that I've you know seen a version of before, but these aliens, they're like these monsters. I don't know, it just like
0: tripped out my brain uh-huh. while I was yeah. trying to watch the movie. Yeah. It's just a, the, again, it's like they they're too shiny, they're too bright. It just does it just doesn't feel it just looks bad. It looks like when I first saw one, the first one, I immediately thought it looked like the horrible um reptile from the first Mortal Kombat movie. Mm, yeah. It which, which just like a bad look that sticks out like a sore thumb and it just again, just felt like the times, you know. Mhm. It's just
1: another case of, God, I would love to be able to go back in time, like re-enter my body back in 2002 and watch this movie when it was new to see how good the special effects looked at the time. Because there's things like The Matrix where it was the most mind-blowing thing I'd ever seen back in 1999. And I Mm -hmm. watch it now and it's like with time and, you know, I still like that movie. So, like, I still appreciate everything about it. And it's like a stepping stone and a milestone in, you know, CG and movies. But watching it now, there are a lot of seams that I see. Yeah. Still but looks it, pretty good. Yeah, but... it doesn't look like this.
0: <laughs> and I'm actually mad at us, speaking of The Matrix, that we didn't even bring up the bullet time from Wing Commander. Oh,
1: right. That was like the one thing I wanted to bring up because that, as I said, that's a, that movie I've seen three times now and I find it very forgettable that is the only thing I ever remember from that movie, that that was like the next film <laughs> after The Matrix uh-huh. to have bullet time. So what just, they had, it's like, we gotta have that, put yeah. it in this movie. It's, it's so brief. Again, because that's the only thing I remember, I think I look, look forward to that scene when I watch the movie, mm. and then it it's like one and a half seconds, and it's, it's over. Yeah,
0: It's so silly.
1: And it looks so. kind of neat. Um sure. But it, yeah. it even has like a, a weird like they didn't smooth it out as well as the matrix did or something where it's kind of uh, it, jittery looking when it like spins around the frozen image that
0: and just the overall like lighting of it that's completely different Yeah, St- stands out probably because it looks so much better than the rest of the movie but weird choice as well
1: yeah 100% I can't believe I forgot yeah. that as well that was like the <laughs> yeah, only thing way. I really wanted to talk about with that movie. uh <laughs>
0: Oh, <sighs> yeah. but, right. uh, back, to, back to Scooby
1: So as far as Scooby-Doo The plot is concerned I don't mind it all that much I like the idea, it's a, it's something a little different Of like, they're already established I like the fact that it's not like an origin movie Like, how did yeah. the gang get together? It's totally uh, I like the fact that it opens with them kind of going their separate ways They have like, you know Stupid, typical movie disagreements and mm-hmm. But they split up Then they come back together and they, it, they, I like how it is. It it re- maintains some of that tongue-in-cheek nature that yeah. the R-rated parody version surely had, where it's like, oh, uh, we're going to like an island amusement park that's horror themed. And when they get there, the crazy guy who owns the park claims that it's the most popular spring break attraction for like college kids. Mm-hmm. Like, what college kids want to go to a horror-themed <laughs> amusement
0: park island? Right. All right. They yeah, want to go to like Cancun
1: I, and shit. Yeah, for sure.
0: I just thought that was hilarious. Yeah. I mean, I did. I was the same because I liked the opening now. They were already a thing. I can remember when it first opens and like they, like Fred's dressed like he's got like bell bottoms on and that crazy hair. And I was like, oh God. I was like, this is how this is. So I was actually pumped when they come back together. It's like they're slightly modernized. Well, it's funny. He is, but
1: I don't think anybody else is. Um, Velma looks exactly the same Velma's pretty much
0: the same But she's got I, I don't, Yeah maybe it was just him
1: It is just him He gets a, di- a haircut And I'm sure it was because uh, Freddie Prince Jr. was like I don't want to wear this yeah. wig The whole movie Well
0: good Because it was a good decision Because it looks so bad <laughs> Yeah I, I mean like um... Shaggy You
1: want him to look like that Dirty yeah. stoner With like the long yeah. hair And the goatee Velma, like, they keep her exactly the same sweater and the skirt. The only time she looks any different is there's, like, that whole concept in the movie where people's souls get sucked out of their body and they get replaced by the monsters who look like them. Mm -hmm. And when Velma gets taken over, she loses the sweater. And all of a sudden, she's wearing, like, a deep V and, like, showing off cleavage. And in that moment in the movie, I was like, what what happened all of a sudden? (laughs) Yeah. Like,
0: all of a sudden, Velma's, like, pretty hot. <laughs> yeah. I know, and then... Yeah, and I don't wonder if that how much of that was, like, the original script, I guess, but... I'm sure that that's
1: part of it, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then Daphne, um, I don't... You know, she is wearing the same color scheme and everything from the cartoon. I think her costume might have been the one that was a little different than it appears in the cartoon, yeah, but it it's... was consistent throughout the movie. Yeah, I don't think they so... ever
0: changed it. So, yeah, I mean, but at least I liked... At least for yeah, Freddie Prince him him changer was good so it was it was good too cuz it wasn't like it wasn't like over like they didn't go overboard with like pointing out how goofy the four of them looked like other you know other no one really acknowledged it which i don't know that worked for me mhm you know it wasn't just like oh look at it it wasn't like the brady bunch movie where it's like you know <laughs> like modern times and then these people transported from another time kind of thing I actually don't know if I've ever seen that movie, so... No, that's basically how it is. Hmm. Uh, it's very tongue-in-cheek, but...
1: Yeah, in this movie, it's just like, okay, the Scooby-Doo gang looks like they do, and nobody else looks like them. Everyone else just looks like yeah. modern for the year 2000, mm-hmm. and they're treated like celebrities and nobody ever like questions how they look. It's just like, that's the way it is. And I think that's a perfectly decent way to handle yeah, it. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm telling you, I feel like, like a, a version of this movie for me that has like the not CGI Scooby and maybe even, I mean, it's not it's not canon or anything. But if it if it was like only Shaggy here, Scooby or something, cause he's a stoner, I feel like there's like some comedy in there. Like that's like a version I would want to see. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would watch that as well. I yeah. I
1: do, I think that for the type of movie that they were trying to do. Like, they ended up on, like, the kind of straightforward family-friendly version. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that, like I said earlier, I, th- I it would have been a better way to go to just have Scooby animated the way he is in the cartoons. Like, mm-hmm. traditional animation, like, looks completely like a cartoon, but everyone in the movie just treats him like he's an actual dog that's there. I think that yeah. would have been preferable to the ugly well, CG. Y- but- yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. I mean, me. I'm always gonna wish it was just like a combo of like a bad animatronic dog and like real dog. I feel like for whatever reason, I'm just always gonna want to. Well, sure, that but was, I'm that I'm saying big... the like that would be
1: funny to see. I agree, but yeah. like the I think the best way that they could have gone to like make it work well and a good movie. Yeah, it would, would certainly have been be better to go, than what they did. Like, yeah,
0: traditional animation for sure. Like almost like a Who framed Roger Rabbit kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that would be better. Especially when you think about the muggly-ass monsters. Mm-hmm. I like seeing Rowan Atkinson
1: in this. I wish he had a little yeah. more to do, yeah. but Mr. Bean for life.
0: I did, Um. yeah, I liked seeing him. I like that there's tons of, like, practical sets in this movie. This whole movie looks like it's probably filmed on a soundstage, and they built sets for everything.
1: Yeah, I read that... Uh they used they used up every single soundstage on the lot to make this movie because of all the Dude, different like crazy locations. And I things. believe
0: it because there was like
1: there was like they had looked like they had to build a
0: ton of stuff for this thing.
1: And they filmed a big chunk of the movie in an actual amusement park in Australia as well.
0: Oh no way! Yeah. Oh, so between that, I mean, I don't know, I'll be honest, it was like a few times like I chuckled at some things. There's one. There's one part where. I don't know, they're in, like, one part of the amusement park part of it, and, like, Freddie Prince Jr. gets, like, hit in the chest with an axe, but he's holding, like, a book. Do you remember that part? He gets thrown through a window. It's, like, one of those, like, old, like, gags of, like, throwing, you know, characters out of a building. Uh, Like, that stuck out to me. as pretty funny. At least it made me laugh. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was even laughing when it was, like, uh, Kung Fu Daphne on the wire work fighting a luchador at the end. Like I was like, what is <laughs> yeah. this movie? I was like, oh my god! I was like, am I having fun watching this movie? I think I am. I was like, I don't know.
1: I didn't super enjoy the act of watching the film, and I don't look up back on it even like a couple of days later super fondly. But I think that it works in this movie's favor that unlike something like Wing Commander, which takes itself really seriously, mm-hmm. this movie is you know in on its own jokes. And yeah, totally. so it is just a weird struggle between it's self referential and making fun of itself. But it, it it's like at the same time, that's being combated by the fact that they want to make like a straightforward family film. It does feel like a movie like being torn in two different directions at times. Yeah. This just feels like
0: overall like studio input. Yeah, you know, like uh nagging studios. Yeah. For sure. But I mean, I don't know.
1: It like I say, I didn't like love it overall, but uh yeah. it's like I'm no. willing Certainly to forgive not. some of its flaws because it is just it feels like it's just like throwaway entertainment versus yeah. something that really thought it was a big deal, like
0: yeah. Wing Commander. <laughs> I I have to agree totally. Like this, like you get like the bits of James Gunn, like you can feel like coming through. I actually like the core cast together. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like Freddie Prinze Jr. is in it the least, or he yeah. like has the least presence in it.
1: I mean, Sarah Michelle Geller feels like a really good casting for Daphne. Yep. Again, I didn't know Linda Cardellini from anybody uh, when I watched the movie, but mm-hmm. she felt like she was a pretty good Velma. And, I mean, gosh, Matthew Lillard. Like, I know I said uh, Jim Carrey and Mike Myers were at one mm. point up for the role. Matthew Lillard feels like he was born to play this
0: character uh, in a live-action movie. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, like, when I, was kid, when I was little, I used to watch Scooby-Doo. So, it's, like, what he was doing, like, made sense to me. And I was like, man, like, he seems like he's into this. Like, they all seemed like they were into it. Yeah. And just, like, him especially.
1: Body type and attitude and everything yeah. about him. It was, like, perfect for... Shaggy yeah, I agree Speaking of the cast uh At some point in the past When Jim Carrey and or Mike Myers were involved uh Janine Garofalo and Sarah Gilbert from Roseanne Were both attached to play Velma at some point Imagine I mean, Janine Garofalo playing yeah. Velma in a Scooby-Doo movie I mean,
0: I can see that <laughs>
1: And then when they actually made this film, other actresses who were being considered for Daphne were Jennifer Love Hewitt and Jennifer Aniston, both of which kind of makes sense.
0: Yeah, also,
1: totally. And uh, for Velma, Alyssa Milano, Carla Gugino, and Christina Ricci were all considered.
0: I mean, yeah, those all make sense to me. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And then uh, this I found fascinating. So (laughs) apparently Tim Curry was offered the role of The character that uh, Rowan Atkinson plays, Mondavarius, Mm -hmm. and if you take Wikipedia's word for it, and I actually read this in two different places, I read it on IMDb as well, Tim Curry, apparently a big fan of Scooby-Doo, and despite how big of a fan he is, (laughs) turned down a part in the movie When he learned that Scrappy-Doo Was going to be in the film Because (laughs) apparently if you are a diehard Old school Scooby-Doo fan You Mm -hmm. hate nothing more than Scrappy-Doo Which I did not know News to me Makes sense because Scrappy-Doo does suck Especially in this movie (laughs) Oh he's garbage in this movie Like I remember watching some Scooby-Doo Like some of the more modern Scooby-Doo Stuff for the 90s back when I was a kid Mm -hmm. And like even the 80s And like Scrappy being in it and not minding him Is just like another you know Fun character but I hated what they did with him In this movie yeah and is there Any precedent for him being an Asshole villain like that in any of the old Cartoons or anything not,
0: not that I know of not that I I just
1: remember him Being like oh look there's another dog but this One right. speaks better English and is smaller Yeah
0: but now he's he's Pissed off and he's got a chip on his shoulder And
1: yes yeah, and weird. turn
0: Into a monster beast dog
1: like one of the scenes that felt really kind of weird and out of place that wouldn't have felt as weird and out of place in an r-rated version of the film and i think it's because the dog is so anthropomorphized like a human the scene where he pisses on daphne in the in the van yeah it's just like yes dogs you know they they're you know genitals are out all the time and they pee on things yes but this one is like walking around the car on its two hind legs, pontificating, yeah. and then just takes a piss on Sarah yeah, Michelle Geller. Yeah,
0: like does it with gusto on purpose. Uh, just felt weird. Very, very <laughs> weird. Yeah, the, the, just the whole inclusion. It was like even unnecessary. As, as unnecessary as a, a movie like this can be, but making him the villain was very unnecessary. Speaking of unnecessary inclusions,
1: how about Mark McGrath and Pamela Anderson Ooh. having uh, cameo roles?
0: Man, the evil Sugar Ray, how could I forget? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I was totally taken aback when Pamela Anderson marches into the, like, haunted factory in the beginning. Yeah.
0: right. Like, so she weird.
1: owns the fucking toy factory or something? So weird. Just, like, what a weird cameo. I was like, actually, I put that
0: in a note because it made me laugh. was, like, Evil Sugar Ray, they end up, like, you know, they get, like, their five minutes to, like, play a song in the background of the party at the island. But then it's, like, them, it's them attacking, like, uh... Scooby and Shaggy When they're like Hiding in the shed mm-hmm. and I was like Die laughing Because there's one shot It's just like The DJ from Sugar Ray You see him like Angry face Like punching out A window on the <laughs> shed I was like What is this movie Yeah apparently They wanted Weezer But they turned him
1: down So they got Sugar Ray instead <laughs> <laughs> Just the fucking things that could happen back in the early 2000s Put, put, put that on Sugar Ray's gravestone <laughs> Oh man Also in the film Isla Fisher is like a love interest for Shaggy oh,
0: yeah. I feel like that would I didn't know her from before uh, Wedding Crashers So I feel like that's, that's like the earliest thing I've ever seen her in
1: Yeah that same here That was the first thing I'd seen her in um, This was one of the first couple of things she was ever in
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I don't know um, it's, it's weird, it's crazy Lots of mixed emotions about this one Yeah, I wouldn't say I hated or had a bad time watching it It's not good Yeah, I but, didn't really enjoy it But um, I, like I said, I, I feel like I can give it some weird free passes Just because of the kind of movie it is And now knowing some of the behind
0: the scenes yeah. of it it feel It feels like which isn't normally like a thing that I would regularly say that I would find enjoyment in, but when you think of like the, like the mystery science theater aspect of a movie like this, like mm-hmm. you were to sit down and bust on it while watching with your friends, like that's a good one where like you don't even wouldn't even want to do that with Wing Commander. That would just be boring. Yeah. No. 100%. You know? This is the kind of movie that like, you can have a, a, you can have fun watching as a group to how like crazy of a thing it is just to be in existence. Yeah. And I can attest
1: that, uh, you know, the quality of the writing in any given episode of mystery science theater 3000 has a lot to do with it, but there are some movies that they tackled that are just too fucking drab and boring. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, yeah, they'll make some clever jokes every now and then, but it just doesn't work as an episode as well as some of the others. Mm -hmm. And Wing Commander, just like you said, is totally that kind of movie where to sit down and watch it with your friends, like, yeah, it's bad and it has problems, but uh, there would not be the energy in the room that you would have in
0: Scooby-Doo. Right. For the sake of the show, that's can score some points for me. (laughs) Fair
1: fair enough. Mm -hmm.
0: Got to find those victories where we can sometimes. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Uh, all right. Are you ready to move on and uh, talk about yeah. some posters? Yes, please. So, unsurprisingly, it being a late '90s romantic comedy, there is not a lot to say about. She's all that.
0: Um, I mean, it. What does it tell you? There's two people in this movie. You know, this gives you no sense of any of the ugly duckling nature. No, because Rachel e. Cook just looks
1: like pretty nice Rachel team. Lee Cook yeah. on the poster. Right. And I have to say, for a movie like this, it's a little tough. I mean, they could have surely come up with something more interesting, but we've talked before about, you know, either action movies or, like, political dramas or something where the poster is boring, it's just, like, a couple of heads in a city skyline. Mm-hmm. And those kind of movies, it feels like, yeah, there should be something more you can do. But, like, a romantic comedy with a couple of beautiful people in the leads, like... yeah. I feel like I give them a
0: little more leeway with a poster that's this boring. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. I mean, just off the bat, I feel like if you just had her on the poster and it was like, you know, one of those like shots where it's like she's cut down the middle and one side's pretty and one side's her like nerd side Mm -hmm. or something. Makes more sense than just two beautiful people. It doesn't, (laughs) doesn't, doesn't, doesn't sell it's like, this is, you know, this is a poster made by a committee because yeah. it's, this is what's bringing people. Well, here's clearly. a question, though.
1: It, kind of to what I was saying before. Like, if you have a movie like um, when we did the uh, Al Pacino episode, City Hall, I remember. Not like mm-hmm. the most thrilling movie in the world, but there's like, you know, a little bit of murder and some mobsters. And that movie poster, if I recall correctly, was just like a couple of heads in a tiny yeah. New York skyline at yeah, the bottom. It's like. Two
0: floating heads in a skyline.
1: Like you could have come up with some more interesting things to sell that movie to the audience that you want to sell it to as like a political thriller or whatever. Mm -hmm. But she's all that. You're selling this to like primarily high school age girls. Yeah. Having the attractive female lead and the hunky guy just like. That's probably
0: what they needed to sell that to oh, that audience. Sure, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, what'd you say? It already it made a ton of money, didn't it?
1: Yeah, and I don't know yeah. how much of that you can account for as being like the poster's job.
0: But... Well, no, but I mean, like at least getting people to see it. Where, or... yeah, I mean, it, it did it did the bare minimum. Yeah, but uh, I, I, I feel like yeah. it it didn't
1: have to do a lot of heavy lifting. I guess is what I'm saying, and it probably achieved its goal. So. I don't know. That doesn't make it a great poster design, but yeah, I'm I mean,
0: trying to look on the the bright side here. I guess I would say, yeah, I, I wouldn't give it marks for selling the movie. It's a, it sells a movie yeah. to me. It doesn't sell this movie. <laughs> the orange,
1: pink, purple kind of color scheme definitely screams uh, Claire's in the mall to me, though. Oh, yes, very much. It's <laughs> a good catch. <laughs> Uh, A new comedy that proves there's more to attraction than meets the eye. Probably could have done without that tagline on the poster. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah. Moving on to Wing Commander. This is kind of what I was just talking about. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, there's a spaceship and like an explosion in the middle. And then it's just like three heads. Mm -hmm. This is a science fiction action adventure. Well, it really isn't that much of an action movie.
0: No. But
1: I don't know. I don't know. They could have come up with something better than just three people staring at you with a a spaceship flying at you, I feel.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of... This is one where it's, we got to sell this movie, let's put some recognizable, good-looking people on it. Yeah.
1: And, like, that and an, tagline... And an
0: explosion. Yeah.
1: That tagline for She's All That, uh, a new comedy that proves there's more to attraction than meets the eye, it's a movie about, you know... Like don't judge a book by its cover So Mm -hmm. More to attraction than meets the eye An unnecessary tagline but at least relevant To the plot of the film This one At the edge of our universe all hell is about to break loose Like there is nothing indicative Of the movie aside from it It takes place in space Like that says nothing Specific about this movie that is a completely Useless tagline
0: Right. And you at
1: no point do you ever feel like There's the stakes are that high
0: In this movie like, if the
1: if the Kilrathi aliens in the movie were trying to open a portal to hell, like... Yeah. Okay, all hell is about to break loose. But that tagline means nothing mm-hmm. about the movie that we watched. No, totally. Yeah, just, uh, I don't know. Not a whole lot to say
0: about that one. No, no. ugly ugly spaceships. Mm-hmm. Front and center.
1: And then Scooby-Doo, you know, it's colorful. It's It shows you the cast of the movie. Mm-hmm uh gives you an impression of the tone that's like, oh, it's a little bit scary, but it's also a comedy. I would say that the uh the worst crime this poster commits is that the monster silhouette in the background is only in like the first five minutes of the movie. <laughs> right. It's a good point. I actually
0: like this tagline though. I think it fits pretty good.
1: Be afraid, be kind of afraid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that fit
0: that fits. That yeah. works. Yeah, I like that.
1: I'll tell you what I like less is that one at the bottom. Do happens, June fourteenth. Yeah. Because do means poop, Dex. <laughs> uh,
0: gotta love it. Yeah, I don't know. For for the movie they're selling, I
1: actually think this is a pretty yeah.
0: good poster. Yeah, no, I agree. It it's clearly can see the the crew. It gives you that spooky vibe. I mean, that works. Mm-hmm. So, right, break, it, break it down for the people, Mills. Ah, gosh, I think I'm, you know, I think I'm going to have
1: to give four Scooby Snacks to Scooby-Doo. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give uh I'm going to give 3 Scooby Snacks to She's All That cuz it's not an amazing poster but I feel like for the kind of movie it is it advertises what you need to know just fine
0: that there's people in it.
1: Yeah. And then mm-hmm. I mean Wing Commander could be worse. I'm going to give it 2 Scooby Snacks.
0: Okay. That's fair. That's fair.
1: Yeah. I'll sign off on that. Breakdown. Okay. All right. You know, I even like in the Scooby-Doo poster that instead of saying the four actors' names under the title, it says the four character the names. The characters,
0: yeah, I like that, too. I kind of dig that.
1: Because yeah. <laughs> it's like, these characters, everybody knows them, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, the characters are the star of the movie. I kind of like that that yeah. vibe. I concur, friend. All right. You ready to buy Borrow and Burn? Mm-hmm.
0: I am. Mills. Give it to me. Triple Threat Theater, episode 33. Best buds, or as I'll call it, triple threat theater grades on a curve. <laughs> uh huh. I'm going to say rather quickly launch, Wing Commander, under its own power or not, into the sun. <laughs> Attach it to the nav, and send it through a wormhole <laughs> into the sun. <laughs> yep, from the farthest reaches of space. Please do. There's no need for me to ever see that movie again or I've seen you. it three times now I mean that's just <laughs> How that happens I I don't know
1: I I cannot remember If I saw it in the theater I know I saw it way back when it came out I really wish I could remember I'd love to know I bet, if I could say That I'm one of the I 18 people did. who saw it in the movies I'm gonna say you did I just
0: have a feeling you did <sighs> And I would say when it comes down to, again, grading on a curve, if I had fun watching something, I'd say I had more fun with Scooby-Doo than She's All That. So Scooby gets the buy, She's All That gets the borrow. Well, going into an
1: episode like this, you never really know what the hell to expect. Well, I was watching Winkerman and I was like,
0: please God, tell me he doesn't like this, please. please, please, please." (laughs)
1: Please. I can confirm. Do not like Wing Commander, despite the fact that I have now watched it. I've given mm-hmm. it the hat trick.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I also would say Wing Commander is objectively the worst of these three movies. <laughs> it's I mean, just... it's it's Noah Braxis, but it's banned. no, no. Yeah, this you can at least follow. <laughs> What the hell is yes. happening? Not uh-huh. super well because no. the plot is not like the strong point of this movie, but not even a little. Yeah, I mean, I will say a hundred percent that if you remove Matthew Lillard from this movie, there's no reason to watch it. Concur, like, he is the saving grace
0: of this film. Yeah, yeah, um, he, he's a bright, shining light, yeah, in this drab turd of a movie. Did it bother you as much as it bothered me?
1: Like, I feel like in, you know, military style movies when there's like a drill instructor or a, you know, sergeant or something and they're talking to their underlings and it's typically all men and they refer to them as ladies. Like, all right, ladies, get in line. Hmm. Uh, That's just a trope that I'm used to. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I get it. You're like uh, demeaning the macho men by calling them women or whatever. Did it drive you as nuts as it did me that. A, the group of pilots in this movie is made up of men and women, and then the female leader called them ladies every time she spoke to them. I didn't even notice. That stuck out to me like a sore thumb. Like, A, she shouldn't be doing that because you would think that she wouldn't want to be demeaning her own gender. Right. But then at the same time, like, at least a third of the pilots are women. So it it just, it drove yeah, me nuts. Just, it just felt like just,
0: terrible writing. Yeah, it is. That's just like a bad trope that people just thought makes her sound like rough. Like Yeah, like a drill gruff. sergeant or whatever. Yeah, but
1: yeah, yeah 100%. Good. If you go back, no, not that you will, but I if won't. somebody were to go back and watch this movie at least five or six times throughout the movie, if not more, like every time she refers to the group of them, she calls them ladies. Mm-hmm. And that, that bothered me for right. some weird uh, reason.
0: I w- if I had noticed it, I probably would have thought the same thing. (sighs) Uh,
1: There's a lot of problems with She's All That. It's just, uh, it feels a little, there's definitely some plot holes and things. You feel like a couple different people took passes at this movie. Mm -hmm. And then there's that crazy dance scene. Mm -hmm. Scooby-Doo also feels a little bit all over the place. And even though only one writer worked on it that I really know of, which is James Gunn, Uh, You feel like uh, a lot of different cooks were in the kitchen for that one. Yeah, but when all is said and done, if for no other reason just because of the type of movie it is, I think Scooby Doo can be enjoyable under the right circumstances and has some legitimately funny stuff in it. And just if we're talking about Freddie Prince Jr. and Matthew Lillard, I mean, Freddie Prince Jr. is, I guess, the hunky attractive guy, and that's why he works and she's all that. But like I said. Matthew Lillard was born to play Shaggy, uh-huh. right? So, if for no other reason than that alone, Scooby Doo is going to get the buy, and oh. she's all that is going to get the
0: borrow. Trusting. So look at that—a match. We match up. I didn't know if you were going to pull a Meet Joe Black and just say it felt like the right your kind of movie at the right time. And I mean, I do like that that,
1: was... that tone and that feeling mm-hmm. of it. But I mean, there's a lot of movies that give me that. Yeah.
0: Huh. Look at us. Yeah.
1: A lot of problems with Scooby-Doo. I mean, oh, yeah. I'm not yeah, literally oh, yeah. going to buy it, but <laughs> unless Same. they put out that R-rated yeah. version.
0: Yeah. Unless I can, like, go back and add in some animatronic dog heads. <laughs> I don't think I need to buy it. Yes, or unless like, we get that R-rated version. Call up Amalgamated
1: Dynamics and get them on the case. <laughs> A deal. We'll <laughs>
0: no, see. Yeah. Milsy, if you had to put money on this being our longest episode. It, it, huh. I don't
1: know if it quite is. I think it that, might be close. I think it's going to be close, but uh, gosh, yeah. Like I said, you never know what's going to happen going into no, these shows. No, you sure
0: don't. <laughs> That's why we love it. <sighs>
1: All right, we uh, we're going to find out what we're going to oh, watch next. We do, we do. Milsy, how many episodes we got? Ooh, we have 224 themes right
0: now. 224.
1: And Milsy? Ninety-two. We get a lot of numbers right around one hundred. I feel. Ah, uh, yes. Ninety-two. Ninety-two. Ooh. All right. Candyman. Candyman. Candyman.
0: Nice. I've never seen any of these.
1: Uh, I've seen one of them. All right. And I cannot confirm or deny if the movie features Tony Todd with a hook for a hand. <laughs> but I like. I like these odds. <laughs> Uh, Coming at you next time around mm-hmm. Candyman to the third Party time <laughs> Alright well uh, I don't know I think this went pretty well for a <laughs> team that You know when I came up with it I was like this is just like an oddball Like who would want to talk mm-hmm. about a bunch of movies With Pretty First <laughs> Jr. And Matthew Lillard But I don't know
0: Love will find a way
1: <sighs> I'm happy with how it turned out <laughs> D- Ditto <laughs> All right, well, until next time, I am Ryan Miller. And I am Joe Daxberger. Thanks for watching.
0: That was one of the finest movies I've ever seen. They ought to make them all like that. None of this nonsense about social matters. People don't go to the movies to see how miserable the world is. They go there to eat popcorn and be happy. Be happy.